technology. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I am sitting down for, I think we're at episode eight now this week of the Resource Insider podcast, quarantined edition. And today I have on a guest that we've not had on before, someone I'm really excited to talk to. And I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this interview. And I know I will too. And it is Rob McEwen, the chairman of McEwen Mining. And we're going to talk gold. We're going to talk about what's going on at McEwen Mining, and we're going to talk about what's going on in the world today. So without further ado, Rob, thanks for taking a few minutes out of our day to, to have a quick chat. Happy to talk between quarantines. Yeah. So you are one of the, the few people I've talked to that still has an office that you can safely and successfully get to. There's no one coming downtown. There's no one in the elevators. There's hardly anybody in the building. I mean, you see them at distance of 50 feet. So, so uh, you know, I'm in Vancouver right now, and things are actually surprisingly carrying on pretty much as normal outside. I'm locked indoors because I just got back from France last week, and I've been told, uh, you know, not to leave my house upon fear of death. But there are people walking around. There's cars driving around. Is it this? Are you seeing the same thing in Toronto, or is things starting to tighten up a lot there? Uh, it's really tightened up a lot. Very light traffic. Um, as I said, the office towers downtown, you hardly see anybody around. Uh, so yeah. people are taking it quite responsibly to avoid contact. And I think that's what we need to do. Oh, that's good. Um, I was speaking with a friend of mine in Barcelona this morning, and he was saying that there's a police officer every 500 meters outside, that they're writing tickets to people who walk on the street and if they're not out to basically get groceries or go to a pharmacy. It's it's complete, uh, I guess, martial law almost. It, it really is martial law when you reflect on what the governments have done around the world. It, it's unprecedented, but they view it as a battle, a battle against a virus. So what I'm hoping we can take a few minutes to talk about today um, is gold and running McEwen Mining in a time of crisis. You are a well-known gold bull, uh, and you've spoken on that at length publicly, but can you give us a feel for what you're thinking that this crisis is going to have on gold price and, and the gold, both physical and equity markets, over the coming months? Sure. When you think about the massive injection of capital that's going into the markets at the moment, well, not into the markets, but into the economy and governments are proposing distributing to their citizens, uh, it's going to really attack the purchasing power of all currencies. We're already maxed out in it. a lot of currencies. There's big debt, and there's going to be more debt now because the operating, many of the operating industries aren't operating. So there's, we're going to see second, third quarter results just falling into the, falling through the floor. We're uh, going to see this stimulation. I mean, the, the politicians are all, they're caught up in, as the public is. The news media has incited a, an enormous fear that we have an imminent death coming. So, uh, they're responding with all this money, and I, I just think we're going to be debasing the currencies further. Uh, when will gold go? Probably it's going to take a, uh, a couple of months before people start thinking about the ramifications of these 
actions by the government. But then it'll go, I think of 2008, when we had the stock market crash, mm-hmm. um, gold took off that moment and then was quickly followed by the equities followed it for a day and a half and then they, the gold equities, and then they fell away. And they, it took four or five months before the higher gold price uh, was appreciated by the public and they stepped in and saw that the gold companies were making money. Do you have a feel for, for where gold goes after this? Uh, you know, I don't want to ask you to call a price or anything like that, but you know, gold bugs have been, have been speculating for a while that gold could be, you know, 3000, 5000, $20,000 an ounce. In my mind, if we're ever going to see a scenario like that, this is what's happening today. I agree. And once it clears $2,000, it's into brand new territory. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I ask you how McEwen Mining is, I guess, weathering the crisis and, and preparing for the months ahead? How are you managing supply chains? How are you managing uh, moving around your staff? All the things that an operating mining company really needs to be considering. Well, <laughs> the ground's shifting very quickly. Uh, we just, uh, last night we got word that Argentina was closing down all businesses. Um, to skeleton staff, and we have a joint venture down there. So all operations have ceased. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in Nevada, Mexico, or Canada, but I suspect there's not a politician out there that wants to be left behind saying, and possibly being held responsible for not stopping the spread. So I would expect in the not too distant future, we'll see similar uh, bits of legislation enacted by politicians in Canada, Nevada, and Mexico. So that means no production uh, from a lot of mines and a big gap in the supply chain impending. Uh, and it might, you, you think of the, the difference between the physical market for gold and the paper market. Mm-hmm. The paper market is many orders of magnitude bigger than the equity markets than the physical market. But those derivatives are all based on some very delicate assumptions. And if those, any of those assumptions happen to fail, that derivative product starts unraveling quickly as we saw in the global financial crisis. So I'm looking at this and saying there is a possibility that the interruption in production would interrupt the delivery of gold and possibly the backing behind some of the assumptions for the derivative products, thus propelling the price of gold much higher and faster and, and for silver as well. Can you, for those uh, who are not familiar with this, give an overview of how these derivative products work with respect to physical gold um, and what the relationship is? I'm not a good student of derivatives other than they're based on assumptions. There's um, various hedges put in place to guarantee. Look, let me go back to the global financial crisis. A lot of the mortgages that were being packaged up and sold and there were junk mortgages. There was a credit guarantee issued by say AIG 
or the Bank of Iceland or um, in Ireland. And they guaranteed far more loans than the equity that they had behind them on their balance sheets. And when those uh, guarantees were questioned, they were found not to have any validity. And the whole system imploded mm-hmm. very, very quickly. And I see the derivatives in the metals market and other instruments in the broad stock market um, comprised uh, in a similar manner and vulnerable in that way. So if you're an investor at home today and perhaps you've just been invested in general equities for the last 10 years and that was you know, a very good decision, you're, you're paying attention to what's going on. You're starting to see the value in, in either owning gold or gold equities. How would you recommend someone enters this space? Do they, do they start with the physical? Do they start with certain equities? Do you have a, any sort of advice for investors who are new to gold new to mining and want to get their feet wet given what's going on in the world? I think the timing is very good for them to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. It depends on the amount of risk they have. If they went out and bought physical in a a bar or a coin, they might face the difficulty of taking it back later to sell it because it's a question of where did it go in between the time they bought it and the time they bought it, brought it back to the seller say in a bar of gold, it could have been doctored. Um, They're looking at equities and the equities have been hit pretty hard. Um, Go for someone that has a strong balance sheet, a good income stream. Yeah, a lot of cash and not much debt on their books. Yeah. Uh, Just that would be the first place of when we get a gold market running for some time, then they might want to start looking at the more speculative end or, or the more higher, higher leverage situations out there. You know, I've asked everyone I've talked to this question and I understand it's, it's, it's asking people to speculate because there's a lot of things going on that we, we can't answer right now. But do you think now is the time to enter the market or is it a good time to sort of, if you have it, sit on cash and wait for things to stabilize and get an idea of, when and how things are going to be moving over the coming months? It would depend how much you're committing. If you took a, an approach, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to invest over time. I don't think it's a bad time to start putting some of it down. If you, let's say you're going to make an investment, you're going to commit X number of dollars, put 10% in now into, into the gold product you're looking at and, and watch. Uh, the market's been bouncing all over the place. One day it's down big and the next day it's up large. So yeah. I, I just think coming into the market slowly and in installments. So, you know, as the founder and chairman of an operating gold company, you're obviously already heavily invested in the space. Are you doing anything differently with your portfolio? Are you moving uh, into anything else? Are you, are you selling? Is there anything personally that this has made you reconsider or readjust? Um, I've had a large position in gold bullion since uh, the time of the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. I believe that is a bedrock. It, it gives me instant liquidity should I need it. Um, in terms of equity, I haven't been a, a seller. I've been a buyer through the year um, in a lot of juniors. 
of looking at exploration stories. Yep. I tend to live a little higher up the risk curve than probably most people are comfortable thinking yeah. about. Fair That's enough. Just yeah. Because of exposure to where I am. And um, we're not, gold is not going to stop being used. The central banks have been big buyers of it. Uh, currency, um, the currencies around the world are weak and you want to protect yourself in some way, something portable, but something physical as well. So I'd, I'd have a mix of gold and equities. Do you, do you have a feel at this time for any other commodities, the, the more industrial metals, the copper, the iron ores of the world, you know, with governments printing money, with apparently stimulus packages coming down the pipeline, uh, talking to Warner when yesterday he was talking about, you know, China is basically in recovery mode and money's on again and they're starting to look at assets that they can buy up. Do you think it's a time for investors to start thinking about copper again after a what feels like a very uh, long winter in that in that uh, commodity? Asia is urbanizing. China, Southeast Asia has a population. It was not too long ago. If they were to grow at half the rate China's done in the last 10 years, they'd be the size of China's economy as a group uh, within 10 years. So they're gonna be urbanizing, they're gonna be using copper, they're gonna be using a lot of the other metals. Um, first gotta get through this coronavirus, gotta get people out, but, yep. but they're still moving into cities. So okay. I'd say we're, we're, the day's not over for the metals. I, I, one, one area that I wonder about, though, is with the advent of nanotechnology and artificial intelligence, will the art of alchemy come back? And will they be able to fabricate in a factory, as they can do today, creating artificial diamonds, be able to replicate characteristics of the elements in a periodic table in a factory? That's not going to happen tomorrow no but it may be 10 years down the road you know that's interesting you say that i um I, you probably saw i can't remember the news station was on cnn or something uh bill ackman had a 39 minute <clears throat> uh sort of uh monologue about what's going on in the world today and and what uh you know, the U.S. government in particular needs to be thinking about and considering. And I started to dive a little more into his history. Um, and I ended up reading about his wife, a, a woman named Neri Oxman, who works at MIT in their design lab. And they're, they're using biological materials to now grow structures, to now grow uh, different fabrics. And, yes. you know, she, she, you know, she's a PhD at MIT, obviously a very bright lady. And she's talking about how the way we build things she sees over, you know, in the, in the future is going to be very different. And it's, I, I think I'm extrapolating a little bit here, but it, I'm, I wonder if we will sort of see that in the mining industry where we can start to grow or create these, these commodities that we rely on as opposed to have to extract them. And I know you're, very, very interested in the application of technology uh, in the world and in mine in particular. Have you seen? Have you seen anything that indicates to you that 
that is in our future, that that is, there is real potential for that? Well, as I mentioned, the artificial diamonds. Um, of course, yeah. They, who would have thought, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you could make a diamond and, and do it economically. I think that's, that's the, the one point one has to stress. Can you do it economically? And, and with computers processing a lot faster today and working with new materials in ways we never thought, 3D printing in that, can we produce that? Can we, and, and it's the characteristics that you want to replicate economically. You don't have to produce the metal. Right. So, yeah, it's more the strength and the, the tensile strength and the, the yeah. The conductivity or exactly. other, elements, other features. So, no, I, I, the world's changing pretty quickly and we, we've spent a lot of time harvesting minerals from the ground um, we, we just have to figure out how do you get it down as low cost as possible and you look at what happened to the oil industry Canada's oil industry just got taken out at the knees with the Saudis dropping the price to where they did and yeah um, and that that brings back I think the bigger issue about this coronavirus is what happens to the people that are on the edge that don't have much money in their bank account that are reliant on a paycheck week to week or every two weeks and all of a sudden they're not employed for a yeah. bit uh, there's a, a very desperate feeling that is going to develop and i've wondered if this coronavirus that what the government is doing is making that much more difficult for those people to live. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I've seen it firsthand. <clears throat> you know, I have friends and extended family members in the film industry, in the restaurant industry, and in a week, they're all unemployed. And they're unemployed until further notice. And maybe that's six weeks from now, maybe that's six months from now, I don't know. And, you know, they're when in a country like Canada where it's something like 70 or 80% of the people have less than $400 in their savings account at any given time, that's going to have a massive rippling impact. And I, I don't even think I can begin to, maybe anyone can begin to really wrap their mind around how that will trickle through the economy. Uh, and, but I think, I do think we are in a, like a watershed moment right now. And that after this, things are going to be very different than they were before. And I don't know what that looks like, but I do expect it will be very, very different. What I, what I find curious is that the seasonal flu infects millions of people a year around the globe. And uh, either the World Health Organization or it was CDC in the U.S. said that 650 million people, no, 650,000 people a year die from the flu. And we've got 10 or 11,000 people dead right mm -hmm. now. And a little over 200,000 people infected. And you're just going, well, there are many other diseases, respiratory diseases that take out far more people than this flu but our media is bombarding us with an incessant feed that this is imminent danger 
and it seems to be affecting the politicians as well. And, and not to take away from it, so it's more infectious than the flu. Um, and it, but it's novel, it's news. And that news is coming at us. And there's a book, Popular, Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, written a yeah. long time ago. But the preface in there was just that neither wealth nor education is sufficient protection from the madness of the crowds. And I would put to you that the politicians are affected by that as much as the general public and enacting legislation that might be aggravating the situation rather than improving. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, when I was reading about this, a side note in one of the articles was that there are almost 100,000 deaths per year in the United States from basically, there's an acronym for it, but it's like hospital infections. It's just infection you catch from general germs. And that, that's just in the US, 100,000 deaths per year just from that. And if you extrapolate that around the world and probably a lot of the world with less stringent uh, health and safety requirements in the US, that probably magnifies massively. And when you put it into context, it is actually pretty small, but what we're experiencing right now, but I guess it's just that unknown element that is being magnified by the media and the politicians and Twitter and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think I'm, we're, I'm rambling on a bit, but I, you know, I don't know what will come next over the next few weeks. Well, one of those, it was either the WHO or the CDC said there are 56 million people who die every year in the world. And half of those, from medical, for medical reasons, and, and flu is a small one in that group of diseases. So... I think we have to be careful we don't damage the patient too much, the economy, in our, in our zeal to uh, stop the spread of what is a new virus. Yeah, I guess it's that, it's that acronym, the cure that kills the patient. Um, it, so I know you're, you've got a lot going on and you're still working hard, so I won't take up much more of your time, but is there anything else that you think our listeners or investors at home should be thinking about in what is a very volatile time and with a lot of unknowns? It'll pass. It's going to pass. Um, the flu is going to take its toll, but a lot of the people that are being taken out, unfortunately, have other health issues that complicate the picture for them. Mm -hmm. but we're uh, we're going to go forward we've had these before um, it's going to be unpleasant going through this and I would think if you're a gold investor this flush of money coming into the system is further debasing currency and aggravating um, a financial system that's somewhat fragile all right. Well, thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate you taking the time and, and sitting down and talk with us today. You're welcome, Jamie. All right. Stay healthy and strong. You, you too. as well. Thank you.